Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing and the great outdoors. And Redmond, you were just saying off air that um, you spent about 10 grand on baby gear the last couple of days. There's something I did seven months ago I'm regretting. Because <laughs> I've got two months left. <laughs> no, I'm not regretting, but the bank account is, that's for sure. How's Baby Bunting going? Baby Bunting's our new favourite shop without being our favourite shop. You walk out of there and you'll, everything just feels lighter. <laughs> Except my arms, because I'm carrying stuff out. It, uh, it's, a, it's a good spot. It's a good shop. It's a great shop, but not for me though. I just I cannot justify how people spend two thousand dollars. You get a nice secondhand tinny for that. You can get sort of you can you get a secondhand John, secondhand Johnson for about sort of nine hundred bucks for a ten horsepower, and you don't have to do any work. It does itself for you. Instead, people spend two grand on a. Um, a self-pushed pram. A self, <laughs> no self-pushing about it. Kari and I have literally spent so much money, as everyone does who have kids. I'm not just saying us, but is it? You get excited. Is this a serious question? So I shouldn't say this, but you know when you go to to like a really good fishing um, fishing tackle store and you you buy a, a shirt that has Shimano on it, and yep. it's 120 dollars. Yeah. Then you go to Kmart and it was 40 dollars, and it was the same shirt. Yep. Is it because is that the same as baby shop? <laughs> Um, I'm going to get in trouble with Shimano here, aren't I? No, well, they are They are the same. <laughs> well, yes and no. No, there's not, you, because you there's not. Stellar's, you, you can't get Stellar's as a $40 reel. I wish you could. You pay for what you get. Mind you, my wife has this affinity with baby wipes, and they're, this, oh, no, they're yeah, called I know she does. Tushies by Tom, and <laughs> they're $17 a packet for a packet of four. I go and Pack of four? Packet of four. Four wipes? No, no, not four wipes. Oh, I'm buy, just learning this stuff, Pat. Come on, mate. Take it easy. <laughs> you buy the packet. There's probably, I don't know, 80 wipes. Oh, okay, gotcha. So yeah. a pack of four of them, 100 maybe. Um, I get the ones from Aldi. They're like $1.99 per packet, and you get like 200 in each packet. But Marty doesn't like those because of the moisture content side of them. Right. So this is this is word for word, moisture content, content. Yeah. compared to the Tushies by Thomas. Duh. I get forty packets for sixteen dollars. <laughs> so what we're trying or to say is, it's I can buy four packets for like four bucks, and then I'll go and get myself like a deep diver Apala ten inch, which is what's been working on the tuna. Exactly right. That's actually really good thinking. <laughs> but what? No honest opinion. Are they the, are they the same thing without the moisture content? Uh, or do you, do no, you notice the moisture? You do. I do feel the tushies by Tom is nice underhand. So she's yeah. looking after the child, and you're looking I'm, after the fish. When I'm wiping shite off my child's backside, oh jeez, it's so. I've much, seen some really good so photos that he's just sent me over the years for me to get a look forward to. <laughs> Let's talk fishing. I'm, I want to talk about this. It makes me angry. Well, there's been plenty of talk uh, over the last few days because there's no doubt the tuna that we've seen in prolific numbers right up and down the uh, Victorian coastline have been really difficult to catch, Redman, and we went out. Uh, last week and found it, um, you didn't find it hard, I certainly found it tough, 
But just speak to me around the variety of lures that you're using yep. and how you have to consistently look for, for what the options. feeding what the fish are feeding on because if you keep using the same thing, you're going to continue to get the same result. And once again, I'm not here to pump my tyres. I'm trying to help as many people as we possibly can. Uh, one benefit that I have more than yourself and 90% of other people is I'm on the water each day yep. and I'm learning now, I'm learning patterns on these fish. Look, it's only taken a week and you can already work out what's happening. When Let's go back a bit of time, a couple of weeks ago. People were chasing these fish but they were throw a coke can out, attached a line, you were catching yeah, it. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, tuna. exactly. <laughs> Literally, that's what happened because the fish weren't getting pressured. I guess you could say there was no boat traffic on them until they sort of got hammered. But also another key factor, there was a moon as well, which I like to lead up to moons for fish. They make them feed really, really well, uh, and also the fact that they they were in well they still are, but the they numbers haven't hadn't seen the boat traffic. Then I'm I'm gonna lock it into that, the boat traffic. And not only that as well, the conditions. We've had some pristine conditions. Mm. And pristine conditions, as I call it, the Sam Goodwin weather, because he only fishes when it's like that and wonders why he doesn't catch fish, <laughs> is when it's glassed out because it's uh it glassed out means it's harder for fish to I guess they get spooked easier. It's yeah. harder for fishermen to chase the fish down because it's just harder. And you can't drive up and get really close to yep. them. They all of a sudden they notice a note. They bail quickly. And, yep. Exactly right. And what we've done a lot differently in the past few days, it's actually last week now, but what we have what we did throughout this week and last week was chase them completely different to everyone else. People, I wasn't even taking my trolling rods out. I just wasn't. Yep. Uh, the reason for it is we wanted to get a little bit of diff- different footage, but the main reason was that you just were not catching them trolling skirted lures or rapales anymore and the only time you were getting fish on those the lures and the rapalas in a consistent matter was early morning so one of the days i got there super early i was pretty much the first boat there i found the fish early on the sonar i just worked them until they come up they only come up for about 30 minutes and we got nine fish straight away bang 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 but if you are there early and you don't find them early the sun comes up they're nearly impossible to catch on your lures and your divers you will get the odd one, don't get me wrong. You're going to pick fish off here and there. But the other issue people are having is, and I'll even half talk you into, uh, talk about you into this, was it's so easy to get distracted by fish. It was so tough. It's that's tough. What, that's and what I'm, we found and I was, Dad and I went out. 100%. And what I mean by this is, oh, to put a bit of a perception into your own head here, on the way back after getting that nine fish, I think it was the Thursday, I found a patch of fish that were tw- it, it went for 12 kilometres. And what I mean by 12 kilometres, it was probably maybe 50 to 200 metre gaps in between each school. Yep. But for 12 kilometres, there was fish. different schools of fish everywhere. Yep. And I, I tried to measure it out by going around the whole lot of them. From in the, what I could work out at one end, it was two kilometres wide too yep. of fish. So we're that, talking hundreds of thousands oh, of fish. It's incredible. Amount. And yep. you can see them with your eyes. And this is the worst part about it, is you can see these fish. And when you're seeing these fish... They're not necessarily eating. They're sunning themselves. They're lying there. They're not interested in anything. And I know how to. And I and the reason that I know how hard it is because on the Wednesday, well, and even the start of Thursday until I worked them out, I was chasing them. They're here. Come on! I know they're sunning. One has to go. One has to go. And we're casting. You name it. Into it. We were casting everything, trying to get them for six hours. I kept saying to you on the day, Pat, you're not going to get it. I did six hours on what you're casting at without a fish. Until I clicked the little difference. And the little difference was a couple of little birds. And you get mutton birds. And the difference to this was 
you're seeing thousands of fish on the surface. And what I mean by seeing them, you're seeing thousands of fish. You look in the water and they are just 20, Everywhere. 10, 40 kilo fish, even some bigger ones. And we, we, so what we were doing, just a couple of little tips was trying to follow the birds that were feeding. Now, what's happening underneath that is the tuna, are, sorry, the birds are feeding on the bait fish. And what's happening under that is something needs to be pushing the bait fish up for the fish to be feeded on. And in this case, it's the tuna. But the problem with them is that they only feed for. A, and I'm trying. I was trying to say to you on the day, really you short, get amount very short amount of time. Sometimes yeah. it's 20 seconds that you see, all of a sudden the birds will pick, and you just got to be in the right place, the right time. Rock up, engine off, cast. Yep. Simple as that. Get into them, and then they just go. But this is the difference from catching them. Now we got four fish, and early, early days. Like I'm not talking early. Like we didn't. We didn't get the sunrise bite just because I tried something a bit different looking in another place. But anyway, we won't talk about that. And we come down to where we were getting them. And in that little area there, I sat out there by myself. I called you out and I called a mate Tommy out. And when I, every time I hooked a fish, I was trying to help people that were around me going, what are you doing different? And I helped a few out and people were thankful for it. No one else really caught fish on this day. Mm. Near to no one. You got a couple. Um, Tommy got a few. And I got a few. I would have had more if Bruce didn't ruin my day. But long story short, we fought a fish for a period of time, which we'll talk about in a minute. But just to get these fish to bite, I was casting seven-inch white plastics into them. On a, It was roughly a one-ounce jig head. I actually pinched a couple of few because I lost a couple the day before. I don't really carry one-ounce jig heads everywhere I go. No, exactly. I don't really have any. I, yeah. So um, kingfish I even use smaller. But And we'll cast them as far as we can could into these school of fish and let it sink through and hard whipping them back. But Pat, now I want you to tell everyone how hard it was to, to come and listen to what I was saying because as soon as you got there, sometimes they were down and even in between gaps when they were coming up, it was sometimes 30 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, the the, the toughest thing I found was it wasn't the, the, the sheer number of casts that I made throughout the day and Dad made throughout the day. It was just how counterintuitive it was casting those um, those soft plastics and then at times just varying the retrieval technique so yep. we actually slowed it up and slow as I, you could i got all my fish on really slow retrieval and it's just it seems wrong for a fish that is shaped like a torpedo fast races through the, nearly. through the water <laughs> and you are just like casting in the water and you said five six seconds you're waiting and then just lift, lift it up lift it up you know what's like wine squid fishing it, it honestly yeah, is it was. and it was so you just like this is not right. No. And then all of a sudden, zzz, and it goes go. off and it's, you know, it's Christmas. But you see, every, you know, most people out there, they were just trawling right through the middle of these schools. And, and by, within seconds, by the gone. time the boats, lures actually hit that patch of fish, they're well under the surface. They're not interested in feeding. So well, I certainly learned a bit about that. Do you think, just on your point, we never actually turned our motor off. Do you think it's worth turning your um, motor off, even if you're not running, even if you're running a, you know, the latest four-stroke that's whisper quiet? Do you seriously think it's worth turning your motor prob- off? I reckon out of the, all the fish we've caught out of casting to them, probably had it off half the time and on half the time. Yep. And what I mean by the reason I was turning it off, I just was – a key factor to this as well is positioning your boat in a position where you're going to run over the fish. I guess if you're casting to them where the fish are moving the other way, I probably wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter as much. Yep. But what I was doing was the whole time I was watching them come up, and you will notice birds always try and have their heads in the direction of the wind's going because that's the way they can fly. Yeah. But they also will change that to the way that fish is moving to be able to follow the front of the fish because it's the back fish. They're not the ones getting the bait. It's they're the ones at the, the front. Yeah, the it's surface, the ones yeah. at the front that are. Excuse me. So the ones at the front are the ones pushing the bait up. 
And they're the ones that the birds are always going to be trying to hit the nose of those fish. So the whole time I'm approaching them, I'm just dead-eyed, like you understand, like my dog with a hot dog. I'm just looking at this thing, just going, what's it doing, what's it doing? I always cast out on the right side of my boat, on the passenger side of my boat, sorry, the driver's side of my boat, so the starboard side. The reason for this is I got the best view out of my side of the boat, even when I'm swinging the boat onto them. And also, Pat, 90% of people you fish with will always cast right-handed. If you go and put it the wrong way to these fish, people got to then cast around the front of the boat. So I always get on oh, the starboard. Don't worry, I know. I had John, John Boy, Boy driving. Yeah. <laughs> so like they're, they're right in front of us. I know. Can I you please cast. go left, left or right-hand down just so I got, Make your mind got up. <laughs> half a boat to cast to these things? Well, that's pretty much it. I'm trying to do the best factors to get the boys onto a fish. So I'm swinging the boat and I'm trapping the fish in. And that's when I'm turning the boat off. So as soon as I... Even before... I don't even know if it's good for the engine. Even before... I pull the lever back the engine goes off and I'm using the momentum of the boat to slide into them yep. without any noise and then all of a sudden I'm casting into them and the boys either hook up or I can see the whole school just come around the boat and they're not scared at all and these are the feeding ones the ones on those mutton birds there might be three mutton birds there might be a thousand of them that's not exaggerating they come in plagues so literally be smart when you're fishing and you're going to catch yourselves a lot more tuna you're listening to Real Adventures. Now, Redmond, we did touch on it before. Sammy had an 80-kilo, Sammy Goodwin, that is, had an 80-odd-kilo uh, tuna that he chased for three hours, and we were coming up uh, to get a few shots uh, in tight when uh, you were visited by a, a great white shark that was slightly bigger than our boat. It was well, quite extraordinary. At, so I'll, I'll just tell, to take you through the story just quickly. We hooked. This is what I was trying to say before. We had four fish by 8.30. We hooked this fish at um, quarters of nine, and it was well over three and a bit hours to fighting this fish. I was glad because I was sick of hearing you say, yep, on again. They're just here. <laughs> they're just here. I know they're just here, mate. I'm, I'm I, trying can't, to... I can't hook them. I can't hook them. That's because you're That's really close. Help. That's not helping me. That's not helping me. Pat, come up here. I'm ringing you. Pat, come out here now. I'm telling you. <laughs> but anyway, I was fighting this fish three and a bit hours. It towed us just over six kilometres in the end. I measured it when I got back home. And that's a fair distance. And I got this fish up to the boat. I'm not joking him. We had it up, not up properly, but we had it up. I saw it twenty plus times. It was a beautiful fish. It was within ten meters of the boat. Oh well, at the end there, where I called you up, it was nearly over. I yep. thought we probably had between. It could have been two minutes. It could have been half an hour. To tell you the honest truth, but the fish was in that between four to twelve meters, and it was going down to twelve, sitting, and we could pull it back up to the four on the turn of the boat when we're chasing it. And the reason this took three hours to do is because you were using a five thousand. Yeah, we were on a five thousand. Bring it in. The reel, the reel's blo- <laughs> stuff doesn't work, and that's nothing against the reel itself. It is not. It was for an 80 kilo tuna. And then a shark. So what happened was um, we had Sam on the rod, Zane on the gaff, my head out the wheel looking at this thing. And I think I was actually talking to you at the time. You were just next to us joking around. We did post a uh, a, a video on our Real Adventures Instagram, which you can give a follow, um, of Sammy chasing and hooking that very fish. Well, it was intense. And Sam, we had some serious hurt on this fish for this little reel. I don't know how it didn't blow. I think it has blown up. But... (laughs) Pat, uh, sorry, um, Sam was over the side fighting this fish and I had him up on the, or not by choice, he went up, that's where he felt most comfortable because he, he only had a gimbal on and he was using the bait board to rest his back on. So he was standing up on the seat. Anyway, check out that video if you want to see more. But we fighting this fish and then all of a sudden the line just went completely slack. There was nothing there. And I'm, wine, Sam, wine, like I yelled. Wine, wine, wine. There was nothing there. And then all of a sudden tension came and then this thing just went... I've never heard a real scream this fast. And you were there oh, in my life. And yeah. I just looked like, what the hell has happened? I knew straight away shark. And I'm thinking Mako. And this thing went straight under the boat, but it was on an angle. So I hard reversed, nearly full throttle. It's lucky Zane grabbed Sam because the fish was pulling Sam over. 
Zane held him upright. You don't want to be in the water with that big fella. No. <laughs> and this and your dad's seen this shark out there numerous times, and we believe it to be the same one. Who knows if it is, but we say it is. Sounds good. But we, we end up stopping. You mowed it over about 10 metres, and in between your and I, we'll just, I was just looking at you, and in the corner of my eye, I was talking to you guys, laughing what just happened, thinking a Mako took it, and then all of a sudden, this thing just went through the water, and I'm screaming at these guys, look at this thing, and it would have been, it was literally as big as your boat, yep. in the, and I can picture it now, and, it, and where I'd rev the boat to get out of the situation, it went straight into that white water, and it just disappeared, and we didn't see it again, and that was a big shark, it was a big Bruce. <laughs> it's a huge show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. John Willis joins us next, one of Australia's most reputable and respected boating journalists. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. You can join us and follow us on our Facebook page at Real Adventures and as well as our Instagram page. First question is from Tim Redman and it focuses around jig heads. We spoke off the top of the show um, and you were talking around the, uh, the ounce sizes that you've been using. But what size jig heads have you been using for your soft plastics? So the soft plastics we've been using, we we'll, might as well talk about them. Uh, we're just using, your, your, I think they're the jerk shads, just yep. your normal jerk shads, uh, in the white colour that we've just used. Honestly, I haven't changed it. Just, yep. uh, white for me, white and pink are the two that I've always used on Kingfish and even Snapper in Port Phillip Bay as well. Uh, it's just two colours I like and it's worked. So why change so it's not broken? Um, the jig head size is... A lot, it's, it's around that one ounce. You'll get a, you'll get away with a little bit less and a little bit more if you really wanted to, but I've found that the one ounce, uh, I don't know how I ended up with it in the boat, but the one ounce has worked an absolute treat casting it into the schools of tuna. I reckon it's at the rate it's somehow sinking. It's creating enough movement through the plastic itself, but it's also got enough weight to be able to cast it and also sink fast enough. And then when you flick it back up, it's not just dropping on itself. It's actually got shape to it. So it's looking like an actual... Uh, injured fish, which you're trying to trying to uh, intimidate, uh, in- choked on your own ties, uh, on your own tongue there, <laughs> on your own ties, emulate. Um, is it worth given there are only school tuna? I mean, there are a few bigger ones there. Yeah, yeah. Dropping down your leader size, so rather than trying to cast with eighty pound, dropping it down to to forty or fifty or perhaps even lower. Fifty pounds, all I've been using. If you wanted to actually um, get that shape from those soft plastics, I'd be expecting to lose fish. More to be honest with you, I've been shocked how much I haven't lost fish this season on chew-offs on the plastics because... And it speaks to the quality of the... the oh, yeah, well, I just yep. use the silver thread. It's it's really good. I'm using, honestly, just 50-pound lead. I think some, at one point on the bungee cast on the stick base, we are using 40-pound just because we couldn't get a bite. Yep. And that was the reason. If I was getting the bites on 100-pound, I'd be using 100-pound. Yep. But they've been so... I guess finicky. timid, finicky. Yeah. Oh, I hate that word, finicky. But they've been good. They've been tim- people whiting a finicky. No, they're not. I don't believe in white. <laughs> never finicky. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the and the sorry, the, the size hook as well is pretty much. What do you reckon? I, I think you'll get away with a three o or four o on the back of that. That's what um, we were using last. Yeah, week, one yeah. ounce jig heads. They you have no dramas and just the thicker gauge ones. <laughs> don't go the thin ones because you will straighten if you're running high higher drag than normal. But yeah, the plastics work an absolute treat. And uh, I've got a question from you for Tony. Patrick, what outfit were you using when you landed that beast of a tuna out of Mogs Creek last week? Uh, well, unlike Aaron, or unlike Sam, I wasn't using the 5,000 Stratic. I actually used my 5,000 Stella. Oh, come on. And stop it. It. <laughs> it was matched with a, uh, a grappler. So that was that's the best rod and reel combo I've got. Certainly the one that I use the most. I just find it so... 
Uh, Would you up to so 10,000? Nah, because I love how light it is. I think the variety of the 5,000, you can – it caught that fish really comfortably. Uh, you can catch whiting – oh, sorry, whiting. You can catch snapper <laughs> with it. You can catch kingfish with it. You can catch, you know, those smaller tuna. It's such a it's such a great reel. And when you're spending $1,000 on a – on a reel, plus the rod, which is about, I think from memory, it's about $400, yeah. um, plus braid. Like it's, it's $1,500, $1,600 you've got there sitting in your reel, and you want to be able to use it. For me, I don't fish as much as you. I want to be able to use it every time I go out yeah. and get yeah. real value for it's it. It's versatile. So I just find that's the most versatile rod and reel that I've got. It's the most expensive one that I've got, so I want to use it the most. So um, to answer the question, you know that that's, that's the one I like. Next question from Tim. This is – it's not um, – Directed to anyone um, in particular, it's more of a comment. Tim, have been launching off Point Road Night to chase the fish off Anglesey, where everyone has been fishing. It's a shit ramp. <laughs> That's all he said. That's all he said. Tim, you are spot on. There's actually a few boats over the weekend, Redmond, that uh, they thought, I'm assuming they thought, oh, we'll, we'll cut the trip in half, we'll launch at Point Road Night, be straight onto the tuna rather than having to launch at uh, Port Phillip, uh, Queenscliff and then go out through the heads and then... Uh, follow them down. They ended up launching fine and coming in. There were quite a few boats that actually had to turn their boats around so where, where and did... head back through the harbour. Oh, really? And had to drive back because it was just they could not get the boats on. Because it's, it's not real. The ramp there, it's it's access to the beach. It's not designed for a – it's not designed like a usual boat ramp. Yeah, right, you yeah. launch and retrieve from the concrete ramp. You've got to launch off the beach there. Well, to help him out there, I've been launching at the Bowen River. I probably sit – oh. What do I sit on water? I reckon I'd have to be, I'd have to be close to what two point six. You reckon on water? Yeah, in terms top of your hard top. But the, but people are concerned with crossing the bar there. No, so yeah, as well as that. I understand yeah. that. Well, yeah. just to put it, it's it's a thirty it's a thirty k run uh, from the river to basically where the fish are starting. So it usually it takes around thirty to forty five minutes depending on the conditions. It's not too bad of a drive. Uh, but the problem is, once you've finished, like you had to punch back through that. Yeah, well, we had it come up, we yeah, out. and then it dropped halfway back. Whereas Dad and I, because we launched out at Spout Creek, like we were back in in sort of fifteen minutes. Yeah. and we're done. Whereas How did you go else, launching it over there? Was the sand alright? Yeah, the sand's really filled up, so it's I've I find it because we've we've always launched there, so we're just used to it. I think people are a bit worried by the rocks, but road night's a good spot to Have launch you? if you've got a sort of if you've got a sub. 5.5 metre boat. Yeah. Anything less, I reckon you're okay. You can launch there off the beach. Got to be wary on the high tide. But anything more, you got to be careful. What about uh, the Anglesey Yacht um, Club? Have you? I had a mate launch there. Yeah, well, that's Point Road Night. Is that Point Road that's Night? Point Road I thought there was yeah. two different ones. No, nah, so it's the same spot. So, yeah, there's there was quite a few cars. There's a Land Cruiser 200 Series that was up to its doors in water. So don't buy that if it hits the second-hand market. <laughs> <laughs> that is our social club wrap up where we answer your questions from social media now it's time for our dream boating destinations thanks to Club Marine ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine call or search Club Marine to find out more ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you we're speaking this morning around Coffs Harbour one of the most picturesque places within Australia and we say that about most destinations because there's just so many wonderful places to fish around our great country but Coffs Harbour uh, it's a city in the mid north coast of New South Wales it's roughly 500 k's uh, north of Sydney and without doubt one of the, the great fisheries. And before Redmond, you talk about the species, just for those that are interested in that region, the different fishing charters that are available, and we just searched a few different ones. There's Coffs Harbour Fishing Charters, KC's Fishing Charters and Coffs Coast Sport Fishing amongst others. So certainly a fishery um, that has a 
great variety, whether it be Maui, Maui, um, Marlin, depending on the time of the year. But Redmond, we've been there before. We've travelled through there, and it is the girls love it because it's obviously a beautiful place to stay but also shop. But when it comes to the fishing, it's brilliant. Oh, the good thing with the fishing is you've got uh, different varieties of fishing. If you don't have a boat or if you are travelling like you and I did, we didn't have a boat when we were there, so we, we beach fish. And you've also got the rock fishing too. So you've got the Mulloway. Uh, you've obviously got the Taylor. The Mulloway fishing up there is tremendous. It's 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 bloody awesome up there. You can't really get much better than it. In well, the that's estuary, why we went there. Chasing the Mulloway. You've also got the, uh, the Brim. The Brim's always good there in your estuaries and also leading into the ocean too. So there's plenty of them. You can use your soft plastics. Off the rocks, you're also going to get your small uh, Bonito tuna as well. So there's all that sort of uh, fishing. Then you've got your normal suspects off the beach. get the odd snapper and your odd uh, whiting too. Uh, you spoke about the creeks. Then you've also... Oh, the bass fishing inland too is really good up there. I just to remember, I've got a few mates do tournaments up there and they get some really, really nice bass. And you sort of nailed a few species on the head. But I'm going to wrap up, wrap it up with... The snapper out of Coffs Harbour, it is... It's an underrated it's, it's, fishery, it's, oh, the snapper And they are awesome looking fish, a lot of them. They've got usually those big knobby heads as well. It's a very, very good fishery out of Coffs Harbour. And the game fishing, like your mahi-mahi, uh, your, your marlin, and, uh, it's, a, it's a really good place to head to with the boat if you can get the boat there. Charter boat if not, and also you've got the beach inland and estuaries as well, which will keep you busy for a couple of days, Patrick. Coffs Harbour is our dream boating destination for this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis, and now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a Northbank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic. Mobile living made easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard. Thanks to Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Our special guest this morning is John Bear Willis, one of Australia's most respected fishing and boating journalists. He's also been doing a bit of a, uh, a boat reno at the moment for Spooled Magazine and obviously writes and appears throughout plenty of videos for Club Marine. Good morning, Bear. Good morning, boys. How are we going? I don't believe what Patrick said. What's that? He's getting his hands <laughs> dirty. He's building a boat, the bear. <laughs> uh, Patty obviously doesn't know me too well, mate. I've been a boat builder since 1977. <laughs> <laughs> when were you born, boys? Yeah, I won't talk about Slightly that. Earlier, <laughs> Say no more. There we go. It's all good. Yeah, no, I do... Uh, I am a boat builder, mate, and I still keep my hand in by doing project boats. So a lot of people know the uh, old trader boat um, and trailer boat boats. I did the old 19R, was pretty much leading the way there in uh, Haynes Hunters going back many years ago with uh, wave breakers and uh, big horsepower and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I've done a number of projects. I've got two on the go at the moment. I've got my own Haynes Hunter, 580SL that we're doing as well. Um, actually three on the go I've got about 110 year old old uh, clinker that I'm still doing up and have been since 2004 <laughs> but more importantly for the magazines I'm doing uh, for, for Spooled magazine at the moment I'm doing the uh, Craft 490 which is actually a bit different there's been a lot of fiberglass boats done and timber boats for that matter but uh, there hasn't been too many older aluminium boats uh, revamped by any way shape or form so uh 
I'm pretty excited by it. It's a little bit different. I can't get as much hand on, hands on myself as I normally like to, but uh, learning a lot about aluminium as we go. John, there's a fair difference between working with a Haynes Hunter, which is like the classic car, versus an oldie, an older Staby craft, which, let's be frank, they're not the most beautiful-looking boats, but with how you've done it to its wave-breaker design, it looks sensational. Just talk us through the differences between, obviously, repairing and restoring fibreglass versus aluminium. It has It is more difficult, as you said. You're not able to do as much if you want it done properly. And, and that'd be the big one. There's no doubt about it. And let's start from the very, very start. I mean, am I allowed to say fugly on, on air? Because that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. This boat was just the ugliest boat of all time. And if you remember back to, uh, you know, the, uh, the 1990s uh, and even into the 2000s, everybody looked at, uh, at Savvy Craft's boat and went, my God, they're the ugliest boats of all time. They might be a beautiful build, but by God, they are ugly. Um, and I think this is one, I reckon it takes the cake. I reckon this is the ugly of the ugly, and we've turned it into uh, the beautiful swan from the ugly duckling, I think. It's uh, <laughs> come up beautiful. But uh, modern, modernised it a lot. So uh, to do the job properly with this one, instead of doing all the sanding and things that we do with fiberglass boats, cutting, grinding, sanding, and all the rest of it, which is where you start off, with aluminium, we basically had to uh, sandblast or bead blast the entire unit. So a complete strip down, uh, a complete uh, blast and got all of the paint off. And it's important to get all the paint off uh, from all the nooks and crannies so as you can find out if there's been corrosion in it. Now, one thing that I found out, which was uh, even an eye, an eye opener to me, and I did it for a magazine for Club Marine, uh, an article for Club Marine a while back on, uh, on corrosion, was that... Um, we often, uh, we all call the corrosion in aluminium electrolysis. And you know what? For all these years, we've been wrong. Electrolysis, by, by definition, is actually the process by which aluminium is made, believe it or not. So with, al- with aluminium boats and with aluminium, we're actually talking where it gets pitted and dropped and starts eating it away like Swiss cheese. That is actually corrosion. And there's a number of different corrosions with uh, it can be caused by electronic forces. It can be uh, caused by chemical forces. Um, and it can be some of the worst things you can do to aluminium, uh, you know, leaving lead sinkers in the uh, in the keel, or believe it or not, even just leaving a wet, uh, like, newspaper. Wet newspaper on bare aluminium can be one of the worst things you can do for aluminium because it, the, the, the salt is a corrosive, it's a chemical, and that actually starts that electric process. So... There's, uh, there's a lot to learn with aluminium. There's no doubt about that. There, I've got a, but, uh, a question here while you're on the corrosion topic. Pat and I both obviously have Staby Crafts, Pat, the 1550, and mine was yep. a little bit bigger. Uh, yep. We both suffer from corrosion uh, on the aluminium, the bare aluminium itself. So we, 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 it's just. And a, these are new boats. These are new boats, and it's just something that has happened with them, and they all have it. Yep. Uh, mine, I think, with myself is mine's actually happening while I'm out on the water and now I'm not your average punter so the boat doesn't get a rest so it might be out from 6am till um, could be 5, 6pm well lately it has been on these tuna that's for sure and the, I'm finding that the, it's drying while I'm out there sitting around waiting for a gummy or a flatty or a snap or a tuna whatever whatever it is if I had my time again and I'm going to ask you this because you're obviously going to have to think about this soon do you strongly recommend powder coating those areas that are exposed more exposed and that have the corrosion that I have now? 
No, powder coating is a different process again, mate. Um, so definitely not. I wouldn't be thinking about that whatsoever. I'd be looking at a number of different things. Number one is uh, you need to have a look at the way the boat has been fitted up, and that includes all the electronics because the worst thing you can do for an aluminium boat, and if you're seeing corrosion in a fairly new aluminium boat, to me it says that there's actually some electric charge running through it. Uh, so you need to have a look at the fit-up. Now, when you fit up an aluminium boat, you've got to be careful with the metals that, that react with each other. So galvanised fittings, um, any electronic wiring that might be shorting out into the hull, even the electronic blocks themselves need to be mounted. Wherever you drill a hole and put a stainless steel bolt through it, um, it needs to be uh, coated with a special... Uh, those bolts need to be coated so you're not getting a reaction between the uh, aluminium and the uh, the fasteners. And that even goes right down to things like aluminium pop rivets. And I don't know whether you realise that there's a couple of different types of uh, pop rivets and a lot of pop rivets that people use nowadays They've actually got a steel core in them. And even so, when you pull your pop rivet, you're left with that steel core in the middle of aluminium, and that alone can create a, uh, a chemical uh, corrosion-type effect that can spread throughout the boat. So That's you've right. got to be very careful when you fit up an aluminium boat, not only with your nuts and bolts and fittings and screws and all the rest of it, but you've got to be so careful to isolate any wiring. Well, I in had, the old days, I would have put... No, I was just about to say I had all that checked. Uh, the boys who pulled their tool down from uh, uh, and did the run over with checking the electric running electrics running through the boat, and there was none of that. So it could it's just you could be it could be anything you reckon. Yeah, look and and uh, washing it down, Aaron. How much do you wash your boat? I'm religious. <laughs> no, I've, I've got the car wash. Not I've got two car washes either side of my house. So I've got no choice coming in. That's my main thing. <laughs> All right, be sure that uh, I know particularly with uh, the boats that we've got, sometimes uh, uh, sinkers, lead sinkers, waste can get right down into the back of that pot as well. Yep. Uh, into into areas that you don't see. So regularly pull that apart, in, in, uh, open up all those inspection ports, yep. particularly around there that uh, they've got the game chaser transom on the back of the safety craft. Yep. There's a uh, inspection port there. Pull that open regularly make sure that there's nothing uh, building up into those areas. And it doesn't matter what brand of boat it is, um, there's nooks and crannies that, you know, sinkers and uh, and particularly anything, even, even seaweed can remain wet and soaked in salt water for long periods of time and that will start that corrosion aspect. Well, we can so, talk about this all day, Bear, but let's get back to the stabby. I want to go back to it. Is Let's yep. take us through just your plan of attack with it. You've obviously got a fairly big wish list that most people would have seen on the internet. Take us through what the plan is from top to bottom. Well, this is, we started with a boat that was some 20-odd years old and pretty ugly. Uh, the, uh, the windscreen was just a horrible piece of bent uh, perspex, in my opinion. Um, and it's the sort of boat that really lent itself to manufacturing taking off the old Perspex window, windscreen and putting a, uh, a proper wave breaker, an aluminium manufactured wave breaker across the front of it. And just that alone has changed the character of that boat just so much. Uh, it's also given us a good, solid sort of uh, area to start mounting um, depth sounders and all the rest of it because it's actually got some protection in behind that where before with just the Perspex it didn't. We have to deck, uh, dashboard mount. Yep. Uh, our Garmin uh, unit, and I've actually got the Garmin unit here, and we've got this is believe it or not the first 
of the Garmin units that have integrated both the um, uh, Navionics and the Garmin charts. Oh, yeah, so yeah the active is, captain. Yeah, so this has uh, got the whole lot in it, so you'll hear a lot more from us about when we start using the unit. Uh, Garmin have looked after us with a lot of our uh, project boats, and I thank them for that. I've always had a good run with those guys. Uh, but this one, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the obviously that active captain's going to be a big boost for navigation. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, well, I use um, that religiously. It's a fantastic app to Garmin. It is, an, absolutely. So, look, we've uh, we've stripped it right back. Things like the seats, the seats were just useless, absolutely useless. Uh, the seat units themselves that were just these little welded brackets coming out of the side of the boat, we've actually turned into uh pivoting storage tubs so you can put your nooks and crannies in there and keep them dry. Uh, we've actually formed it instead of having a couple of old plastic fuel tanks floating around the floor of the boat, not I mean floating around the floor of the boat, <laughs> uh, we've actually now manufactured a uh, proper aluminium uh, fuel tank for up the back that's set up on uh, proper brackets so it can drain through and of course the Stavy craft is also in a 490, it's one of the few boats that you can actually get a self-draining deck into it. So we've had to make sure that everything we've done has still allowed that drainage through to those rear scuppers as well. Uh, so, yeah, complete sandblast. Uh, the boys from um, from Aussie Plate Boats have done all the work there. It's been completely sandblasted. It's been completely primed or etch primed and then final coated as well. And, of course, again, that's something that you've got to be very careful with with aluminium. If you use the wrong paints and the wrong primers, the wrong fillers on aluminium, they alone can uh, can cause lots of uh, corrosion problems as well. I remember going back, gee, 15 years ago, there was a series of boats coming out of Western Australia. There was actually a couple of different brands, and the one contractor was actually doing all the carpet work, for interest, for, for instance, in those aluminium boats. And that uh, that carpet contractor was using the wrong contact adhesive. It was actually a, uh, a corrosive contact adhesive. And that alone was causing a lot of corrosion in the boat. Um, some of the guys who fit out boats don't realise that silicons have neutral cure and corrosive cure, two different types of silicon. So you put uh, the uh, the acidic cure type um, silicon into your fit out and you're going to get corrosion. <laughs> Again, we've had to go right through any of the points that did have corrosion on them after, you know, it's had a long history and a long period of time. It's done a lot of fishing this boat. Uh, so there was corrosion in places. So the boys at Aussie went through and actually spot welded and filled and grinded and, uh, and brought, the, brought the hole back to new. Uh, thankfully, there wasn't that much, but there was certainly some, um, some surface corrosion getting into it. There was nothing structural, thank God, for that. What about a new motor? Is, is the budget going to allow that, reading through? That's obviously... <laughs> well, know. it depends on, it depends on who's listening here, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 Look, at the moment, it's got a, uh, a good 60-horsepower Yamaha sitting on the back of it, um, and we've been quite satisfied with that motor and the power of it. It's not a huge boat. Uh, it could go up to perhaps a 75 or 80 on the back without a problem whatsoever. Uh, thankfully, the Sabergrass has got good beam and good flotation, so we could get a slightly heavier motor onto it if we wanted to. Uh, at this stage, uh, nobody's come to the fore as far as a promotional motor for us. Um, we're still in negotiation with a few people on that, but at this stage, we're quite happy. It's a relatively late model, uh, 60 horsepower Yamaha sitting on the back, and uh, we'll stay with that if nobody else comes to the uh, to the ballpark with us, if you know what I mean. 
Um, but there's a lot of people who have jumped in. We've got, you know, Axis have given us marine audio. We've got uh, Barker Covers are doing all our new covers. We're going to get new covers, new feminines, all sorts of things. We've redone the uh, the rocket launcher. Icy Tech, our old mate Johnny Fay up in the Queensland. I don't know whether you guys use Icy Tech iceboxes, but they're just terrific. Um, Narva have come to the port, uh, party. Boat Catch have come to us. And at the moment, it's actually up at Nortec Marine getting a complete rewire and refit. And obviously, as I said, the uh, the rewiring of these sort of boats is, is of ultimate importance. And uh, so they're going to be doing a good job of rewiring. I just stripped, I kind of was in there with the wire cutters and stripped every wire out of that boat there was. So completely starting from scratch. Our old mate Melky at Lone Star has given us a GX1 winch to put on it as well. It's getting uh, U-deck flooring. And uh, our old mates at Formathine are going to be doing some wraps and some flooring and some offsets and all the rest of it to really spruce this boat up and make it look the part. So there's a lot of things going on there, um, a lot of remanufacturing, a lot of refit. Um, instead of putting just plastic rod holders back into it, we're putting stainless rod holders back into it, redoing the, uh, the bait board. So it is a complete refit from the ground up. But to do it with an aluminium boat, we're setting trends again. Uh, we're looking forward to following the journey on Spool Magazine, which you can download in the App Store. Uh, Bear, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures and talking us through all things boating refurb- refurbishment and working with aluminium boats. Thanks, Bear. Thanks, guys. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic, mobile living made easy. Riz tip of the week for New Age Caravans. Visit your local New Age Caravan dealer today. It's time for Red's tip for New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead, Redmond. Patrick, this tip's nearly for yourself after the last well, few it is years for myself. experience this for you is, and I that we've been friends. This is a very much appointed uh, Red's tip for this week, but well, it is a very good one. It is, and basically it's coming back to your isolator switches. I, think, I don't think there's much more of an importance than having these on your boats nowadays. Uh, 90% of people are running with dual battery systems. Yep. And, not only and even if you're running a tinny, like these are important. To have. Oh, and like it's it. so easy to put in. Like yep. it, it, I'm no mechanic, and let's be honest, I probably wouldn't know how to get them fitted or in. But they're not mali- that pricey, I should say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm no electrician, but basically, you can pick up your basic. Uh, you can pick up your basic isolator for literally around that forty dollar mark. A few bits and pieces behind it, get somewhere to fit it. It's probably going to cost you maybe 150 bucks at the most yep. to get them installed. Uh, installed, not installed, installed, and. Basically, you're looking into something like, uh, for example, if you're getting your big North Bank 750 pat, or even something a bit bigger where you're going to need dual battery systems, you can get your, your separate isolators. Now, BEP, BEP Marine, they do an awesome an awesome setup for a single, this is for a single engine motor, yep. but dual battery systems. And they've also got the DVSR in, in, in between it, which is basically, if you're having dramas with your batteries pushing power from one to the other, that'll really give it a go. So we'll talk more about that another time, but because I've only got, let's say Bear took up a fair bit of our time today, Patrick. But basically, installing an isolator, I think it's really important. It's going to save you uh, time at the boat ramp at home charging your batteries. Now, I turn my isolator off all the time. As soon as you come back in. As soon as I come in. Cleaned it up, bang, turn it off. But one thing that I do do is, here's another little reds tip coming your way, Pat, is when my at my place is, I've got, uh, I back it into the carport, and I've got, a, I've got an outside light, but it sort of faces towards the driveway, not actually in the carport as well. There's one at the back of the carport, which is good. But what I do is with the isolator is I actually leave my light switch 
floodlights on when I get out of the boat every time. All my it's on all the time. So then you know. So then, well, and then yeah. when I t- yeah, I always leave that on when I pull in. And then what I do is I turn the isolator off. So when I get in the next morning to go, I don't need to jump through the boat to turn. I lean over the side, I turn my isolator on to battery number two, and it lights up my boat, and I can see everything. Then I jump in. I don't I don't jump in and turn the switch off when I'm traveling to the boat ramp because I've got all it is in the stabby. It's on the side there. It's perfect. I just reach over and crank it on. So when we're at the ramp again, it's not about getting in the boat and mucking around. But the isolator, leave it on. I always leave it on too when I'm traveling around because it charges both of them up. It it, it it works a treat. Don't run it on one or or um on two on. Sorry, don't run on battery one or battery two. I run it on the both. Yep. So sorry, both batteries. I meant to say. And when you are anchored for a period of time with lights on. Run it on one. This is the good thing as well. You can run it on battery one or separate it to battery two so you're not draining both your batteries either. So little tip there as well. A couple of three tips in one tip. That's not bad. That's Red's tip for New Age Caravans. Take your caravanning experience to the next level. New Age Caravans designed for the road ahead. The Flying Gaff this week heads over the border to South Australia, and this is absolutely ridiculous, but the South Australian uh, boat owners that are seriously concerned for the safety of their, but not only themselves, but their boats as well, um, where in broad daylight boats and boats attached to cars have been sabotaged. So basically the trailers um, have had, um, the hitch pulled up, they've had the chains disconnected, um, nails put through uh, where, you, um, where your lock would generally go and people have just left them. So the gaff goes to these guys because you're putting people's health and safety at risk and more importantly, you're putting beautiful boats at risk, Redmond. So anyone, I don't know why you would honestly do that when you've when people will leave the ramp and travel at 60 k's an hour with a two and a half ton boat, you're putting lives at risk. Not just so. the people that you don't like if you're doing it that. What about going up the street of Queenscliff if you've done it and it comes off in the middle of summer and takes out a whole family exactly. side of the road? It's not just that individual person. It's it's, it's crap you're doing it and... Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just stupid, really. Be very careful if you got caught. The uh, You don't have to worry about the police because there'll be serious boaties that won't mm, be happy exactly with it. Right. That wraps up our Real Adventures show this morning. It's time to go fishing.